You're listening to Rocket Night. Hello, I'm Jess, a contributor at Rock at Night, and today I'm here speaking with the supremely talented group Frantic Lullabies. Hello, everybody. How are you today? Hello. Good. Good. Awesome. Good. Great to hear. Um, so to start, why don't we just go around and have you introduce yourselves and talk about what instrument you play in the band? Jeremy, I play the bass. Cody, I play the drums. I'm Madison, and I sing and play the guitar. And I'm James, I play the guitar. Awesome, thanks for that. Um, I was curious, how did you all meet, and how long have you been together as a band? It's kind of a, a mix of things. It's um, like a, a weird, like interesting crossroads where Frantic is currently, where Cody and I, along with a few other people, we uh, started off as just like a jam in my like bedroom growing up. Um, kind of just all went our separate ways, uh, just like an amicable split going to college, like university. Yep. And um, just kind of like lost contact. I had met James just that way, going to Mohawk College. Hi, James. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we just kind of like hit it off that way, and then Frantic was its own version uh, during our, our Mohawk College days. Then, uh, of course, I feel like every story these days is like, this fun thing happened and then COVID happened. So that part happened, and then a few of us had our own kind of like split it was all amicable and just everyone went like their own way and then I wanted to continue frantic after that and then we met Jeremy and then we met Jeremy <laughs> so so that was a, a thing is that we all kind of like reconvened I got to talk to Cody again about doing drums I got to uh, meet Jeremy here through Cody of course and it's been awesome it's probably like the most fun I've I've personally had in this band in like what of seven years I think at this point Oh, well, it's been more than that. Like, since, like, the first iteration, which was, like, 2013-ish. Was it 13? 13, 14. Yeah, I think it was, like, 2013, 14. <laughs> it's been 10 years. Yeah, because we had the first iteration of Frantic, where it was, like, the high school days, and I came up with the band name and everything. And then we had the college years, where, we're at, like, the very beginning, first year of college, we tried to make it work. And it was uh, this other version of the band, this kind of second stage of the band, didn't really work out. And then Madison ended up keeping the name, keeping most of the songs, but like writing a whole bunch of new ones. Uh, and then I listened to the Apollo EP that he had put out with the version with James, not with Jeremy yet. We had yet to join. And I listened to that and was like, oh man, I love this EP. I wish I could be back in the band. And Madison messaged me in like September, like 2022, and was like, yeah, do you want to join the band? And um, absolutely, I said yes. And then started playing, and then I found uh, Jeremy as well, and we filled out the whole current form of Frantic. Very cool. I'm so glad you guys got back together. And for those who don't know, Mohawk College, uh, can you just explain what you did there and how you met through the music program, was it? Oh, yeah. Uh, so we, funny, like, I think you were the first person, James, that I, I met at yeah, the we, audition. Yeah, we literally met during auditions. Um, so oh, we both awesome. went for contemporary guitar, hmm. um, jazz guitar, basically. Uh, and... I met you in auditions, and then we were in the same year, and we just started playing a lot together. And then he showed me Pencil, which is like his first ever song, and then we just jammed on that, and that was kind of the start of Frantic. So Pretty much. Yeah. 
It was very intrusive how I did that too. It was like you were practicing. Yeah, you just barged in my practice. I just barged. I was <laughs> like, dude, like you want to play this song? I saw this like, like slight like irritants like. No, this could be fun. Come on in. It wasn't. It wasn't slight. <laughs> it was very noticeable. <laughs> and I still came in. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, for those who aren't familiar with your music, I know this question can be annoying, but how would you describe your sound? We finally settled. Um, we, <laughs> like, we call it a lot of different things. I think like indie alternative was like a thing we were saying just because we didn't know what to call it. And then we just settled on post-rock shoegaze, which I feel like when people hear post-rock, it's kind of like, what does that even mean? But I feel like that's the only genre I could possibly find in a rock scenario where it's almost solely inspired by jazz. And it's, I guess, like another thing to tell somebody, like, we just use major and minor seven chords, and that's something that makes us jazzier. Yeah, a so. little bit of jazz, a little bit of rock, metal, um, and then some ambient stuff and some indie artists, too. So it's kind of like a smorgasbord of all these different genres. But post-rock shoegaze is the, the clinical term, I've been told. Clinically shoegaze. Yes. And are there any very specific influences that you draw from? Uh, I'd say it's probably different for all of us. Yep. Like, I was, like, the metal guy in the band before Cody showed up, and now Cody and I are both kind of, like, the prog guys. Oh, yeah. So, I know all the riffs he plays. Yeah. Like, the first so, time like, he sat down on a chair and played, like, a Chon riff, and I'm yeah. like, I know, that's, that's a perfect pillow so, or something like that. Yeah, so I'm super influenced by, like, you know, a lot of jazz. I'm influenced by a lot of stuff, but, like, especially early roots is, like, early, like, prog metal. I don't know about Madison, probably Radiohead and stuff like that. I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know about Jeremy, but... I, like, listen to a lot of music, but I feel like my playing influences are just the country and Paul McCartney. I don't know. Those <laughs> are two cool. people I... Yeah. Like, country's not a person, but... It is country you know, music. Yes. Bass playing. And I'm more like um, Gavin Harrison, Porcupine Tree style. That's where I take a lot of influence from. Um, a lot of influence from like prog metal bands like Dream Theater, but then I like all the stuff like Linkin Park, stuff with like a really solid, good beat, um, and anything in between that. So pretty much all music. Yeah, yeah pretty wide. Yeah. That's, so, that's so great though, because a lot of the best bands have diverse influences like that. Um, when I first saw the band, I was blown away by how tight, confident, and natural you all were on stage, and I was wondering, did that come naturally to you, or did you have to work at that? I had to work a lot at that. <laughs> It, it's. I feel like, um, like I don't know about Jeremy. Like, did you do like a lot of performative stuff before Frantic? Like, like just playing in you know courtyard or whatever. Just like gigging a lot in twenty twenty two. I don't know how many gigs we did, but it was like almost every two weeks. And I feel like there is like a steep curve of like confronting stage fright, and mm -hmm. then even like post show like anxiety or like mm -hmm. retrospective just like self-criticism is like kind of a hard thing to like get over but it just kind of once you once you play a lot of gigs you mm -hmm. you yep. stop criticizing yeah. yourself as bad personally it was just like college for me because i was in multiple ensembles playing recitals performance classes playing in front of class all the time that i just like when i got to third year i didn't care anymore yeah. <laughs> we i think by third year we were all pretty Fearless, like I'm sure you probably felt the same code. Oh, yeah. Just... Oh, yeah. I uh, My final recital for a jazz program was a rock recital. So I kind of <laughs> stuck it to the man, and then I never looked back. And yeah. then every gig now I just see as, well, I'm going to play, and I have the opportunity to play with my friends, and that's all I really care about. So if mm -hmm. I don't make money, ah, whatever. 
if I uh, don't play that well, okay, ah, whatever, you know, I'm I'm on stage and it's a lot to just be up on stage, so I gotta give, give us, myself and us credit just mm -hmm. for doing that. And then everything else just kind of flows, but pre-stage pre anxiety is probably the biggest one. Post-stage, it's like, oh, cool, get off, and then you can just kind of breathe a sigh of relief a little bit. But uh, getting on stage is, is definitely like, yeah, I have a routine. I usually don't like to work the day, uh, the day of the show and just kind of like go on a walk, air my head, air my, air my thoughts out and everything, practice, eat right, not eat too close to the show <laughs> so I can eat right after I get off my drum kit. Um, and drink. And, and yeah, if there's if there are free drinks, I'll do that. Usually, uh, <laughs> I feel like for, for me, it was like a thing of, um, I got that out during my time in what's called the Octave Music Center, which was this, well, is like this little shop in, in Guelph, and I was constantly doing like the uh, like festivals and the recitals and that sort of thing, just kind of getting that cringe part out, just so that it, it could all just be um, just a little bit easier coming into a jazz program, which I had no background in like whatsoever. It was very much the uh, thing of like, I'm going to throw myself into this and not really have an expectation of being the best, but more so just getting better. So with, I feel like with that kind of expectation, um, to say like at least it's something where I don't really have an expectation going up on stage where I think this is going to be great. This is going to be like, like to be the best. All we can really be is prepared. And then anything after that, people are just like, like you were this and you were that. And I was like, yeah, I guess we were. <laughs> it's always encouraging to hear. Um, yeah, exactly. And so you basically were able to get over stage fright by doing it a lot. Just lots of doing. Lots of playing. Basically, <clears throat> there's no, like, I think, talking about it after a, a while. It's like, okay, we need to hash this out. It's like, no, you just have to, I think, get o over this hump mm -hmm. of just, like, you're already on, s on stage. The lights have already like, hit you. Like, they see you. So, Well, a strategy dance. that I employ to, to get an object result of the playing and of my performances, I video record every performance, and I have one camera right beside me, one so I can post uh, content to people, and then the other thing is so I can go back and look and be like, oh, oh, all those times I thought I was messing up, I was doing really well, and then the times maybe I thought that was a cool fill, ah, it's okay, it's okay, it's wonky, so like I get that objective stance on my playing, and it's it's not filtered through anybody, it's me, it's me watching my phone, and I take pride in the cool parts, cool parts that we all. Uh, play together, and then I'll go, okay, maybe I'll work on that. Maybe I'll focus a little bit more on that part that is a little bit rocky, and then in practice, uh, I'll be more aware. Awesome. Uh, so recently, you've been dropping some really exciting new singles, and I was wondering what your writing process is like. Are you doing it as a group, single? It's getting more so these days, uh, something I try to introduce more to the band in terms of like how can we write parts and things around this? Um, I think the more recent singles, Blurry Vision, funny enough, which was actually the most recent single we just put out, we have been sitting on that almost for two years. It was something that, that we did with a couple of members of Damn It Goldie um, mm -hmm. a few years back before Cody had joined and Jeremy. And uh, that like rhythm section uh, very much, I think, is like reflective of just like their ability to play as well. Not to take anything away from, like, from you guys. Oh, no. It's just... Mm -hmm. It's they're just, amazing players. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, so so these days it definitely feels like something where I, I have like a lot of output, and I, I kind of uh, have this thing with myself where if I can feel satisfied with this chord progression, if I can sing along to it and, and try to get these parts down, I then feel at least encouraged in, like enough internally to say, how would Cody, James, and Jeremy like just riff off of this? Like how can we go in a certain direction? Mm -hmm. Can we go in a different one? 
Mm -hmm. We've had that recently where just like something wasn't going one way and then we tried something, something different and suddenly this song is sounding way better. Yeah. So, so yeah. like when I joined the band, uh, we had most of the material that we have right now out um, was already written, was already orchestrated and Madison and James had done most of the work. So me and Jeremy had to kind of come in, replicate a bit of the uh, demo sound, but then add our own flair. So then after we did did that process, it was mostly us adding on to the songs that Madison and, and James had, had wrote. And then moving forward, it's kind of a more of a collaborative process. It's more like, here's a chord progression. Let's work on the chord progression. Let's work on some lyrics. Let's um, fundamentally change the base of the song in order to get it to some place where we all can write. And that's kind of the last two songs we've been writing more like that. And uh, actually, Ashes, the one that was out, was mostly just a, a chord progression from, from Madison. I listened to it the first time, and I was like, "Where? okay, cool, awesome song, awesome lyrics. Where's the verse? Where's the chorus? Um, so we had to kind of chisel that out. We had to go, okay, well, let's make a definitive chorus. Let's make a definitive pre-chorus. And in my job, I had to change my drum parts. So I wasn't just kind of grooving over the whole thing in one one kind of style the entire time. And that's kind of how it starts, jammy, very jammy, very like we're riffing over an idea or a progression. And then we solidify parts, we stop, okay, let's cut that down, let's make that two bars, let's have it four bars after that be like a bit. So we, we discuss it afterwards. So that's mm -hmm. kind of, it's more collaborative, started off um, a little bit more Madison bringing us songs and James bringing bring us songs, and then we're all working together now. That's really encouraging to hear. And I think that kind of ties into my question. I've found a lot of times in the creative process, sometimes it's hard to actualize what your initial idea was. Mm -hmm. Have you found uh, over the process of making the song it gets better or sometimes do you wish it could go back to how it started? It's always an evolutionary thing, I feel like, with songwriting that it's something that if it's going a certain direction and it's just not working, I think the thing that you just need to be able to not only just say, but in order to like hear and, and take just that type of criticism, is just, it's not working. And if it's just not working, that, that doesn't mean that it hasn't been working, it's just that we've reached now a wall where just something needs to change. Uh, so then it's just a decision of just what needs to change then, what can like we try. Things like just a tempo change, maybe a different chord in this place. Like It's very much just... Uh, like from time to time just even adding one, like one extra note and suddenly it just makes the entire song flow in this much better way than it, like it had previous. I think even Jeremy you just uh, told me that instead of playing like one particular like E flat chord you said make it a major seven and I had this moment of why but then I, I, I did it and I was like that son of a bitch was right. <laughs> yeah it's usually pretty linear there's not a lot of like it's good it's bad it's good it's bad it's just kind of making it better yeah. usually. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So I would say it definitely they get better. They definitely get better in time. It definitely speaks to I think the people that you do get to work with and which I, I do think that working with any of these guys is really just privilege in and of itself, to then work to, like, together on the same uh, kind of project, I think for me says like, okay, I'm confident not only in my part that I can show these guys, but that I know they can do anything with this. And if it then works out that they <laughs> find out like four different ways to play a certain part. By the time we come to the studio, it's just like, well, which one do you want to do? And then we do all of them, and it's like, okay, that one was especially good, so we're going to use that one. Yeah, yeah. And I think that comes from the nature of us all being like improvisation kind of bass musicians. Um, whether off 
of a necessity because we needed to go into a school program that was jazz and that was the only way you could do music in school and get a degree for it or because like we, we really loved it and like I was very uh, adverse to improvisation at first I thought okay just gotta play it the way it's written and now I rarely play things the way they're written um, and when we're recording uh, I try in different styles and I'm always happy to get direction like I'm happy like if I'm playing something and like nobody's saying anything I'm like okay, am I playing something good or, or is everybody just being polite like <laughs> and then when somebody's like okay cool like that was good just like less fills um, lay in more on the hi-hat or and crash on the downbeat so I'm like okay cool and I can do that and it's it's kind of like a splicing of the different feels that work best in in different parts of the songs and then live it's never cut and dry like we never do it exactly the way that it was recorded or exactly the way that we've been practicing there's always room for improvisation and I, I find that that brings life to our shows if I was playing the same riff the exact same way every time I get bored everybody would get bored people would be drumming along to it at the front of the stage and I'd kind of be like ah I feel weird so I like it when I do something and people are surprised and I surprise myself but it works and there's a certain practice that you have to undertake to get to that comfortability to be able to improvise and like it to be able to work in a live setting and in a recording session too. For sure. I think that really attests to your talent as a group. And it sounds like you guys get along really well. And I know sometimes I see a saxophonist on stage with you. So oh, yeah, my is there is there a way you have success as a group? Do you have a clear leader or you just are really good collaborators? Uh, I've, I guess, taken up, up on, like, the mantle, I guess, like, the role of just, like, being the leader kind of thing. I, I feel it as though that doesn't, like, reflect every single thing that we can possibly do. Um, it was a role, I think I was, like, really, like, reluctant for years to really, like, accept and be like, oh, okay, you're the guy, like, with the ideas, but then it's like, do I actually have, like, the ability to really, like, tell people what to do? Because I've made that, I think, clear just across the board with all of these guys. It's like, I'm your friend first. I'm not like your boss, and, and I feel like being called your boss is like a, a weird thing. You're not paying me. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell, hell no, actually. <laughs> so, like with all this like, contribution, it, it's like to um, say that I'm always right, or, or that like there would be some sort of like, this is my song, bleh, like that kind of thing. It just feel like it doesn't encourage like the improvisation, nope, the improvisation that Cody was talking about, or that like you can try different things, and even if we make like mistakes, it's not about highlighting those a lot of the time. It's sort of the, like that uh, tried and true method of just, okay, you played a wrong note, play it again. Just when, I don't know, just give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds like you guys are very dedicated and, and musicians. Do you have big ambitions for Frantic Lullabies or is it just a pastime right now? My, my ambitions, they... <laughs> fluctuate I often bring things to these guys where they're just like okay whoa <laughs> that's that's up there and we're just like maybe at a different place and that's something that then actually gets put into to perspective like I think is sort of the um, what goals like we had compared to about a, like a year ago it, like it's ever-changing and I, I try not to forget as forgetful as I am god you should ask me what I act like what I called you, <laughs> I think I called you Sarah, <laughs> and that's not Jesse's name. So to like try to like remember every little detail with Frantic, it's like I try to, and it's something where I, I then tried to reiterate in a, a more positive message, like um, what else do we want to do? Like how else can we achieve that thing? And what's like the reasoning behind why we wanted to change that? Like what we've um, planned, which I'm, I'm trying very carefully not to 
spoil because I, I feel it right on the tip of my <laughs> Doing tongue. Doing a good job. Yeah. 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 We have so. things that we are planning. Um, I feel like with Frantic, it's like a steady big growth kind of a thing. It's not, yeah. Oh, God, big things coming. Yeah, did so I just big. say that? <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. Oh, you did? Okay, thank, thank oh, I can't wait to hear, though. Yes, <laughs> That's yes. exciting. So, like, I mean, when I was a kid, like, I wanted to be a rock star, and I wanted to be on drums and, like, make a living from that. Um, and, and there are things about the touring lifestyle that now I've grown to not really like. Uh, so it's kind of like... We're taking it steady, we're taking the opportunities, we're, we're putting in the work, and we're seeing where it goes. Um, I'd love to be on a festival stage. It would be cool to go on, on some tours. Um, and it would be cool to make money off of this, like, more than, than, than we're putting in and that we're making at kind of local shows. That would be really, really awesome. So ideally, like, yeah, I think most of us are open, uh, if not all of us, are open to that kind of idea of success, but then we have to be realistic, like we're not Billie Eilish, you know? We're, mm. we're in a post-rock shoegaze band, we're not <laughs> like, a, uh, uh, like a pop, like we're not like The Weeknd and, and, and stuff like that, so really? like we can only get so, so far. It'd be cool to sell out like, you know, Danforth Music Hall and um, uh, like the Opera House and stuff like that. Like that's kind of more of the goal that at least I'm thinking of right now. Mm, so I think those are very reasonable goals. The first time I saw you guys I actually said to a girl in the bathroom, I was like, I can't believe we get to see these guys in a small venue. They should be in like a way bigger venue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but have you found some challenges in the music industry? I know a lot of times you are asked to pay to play just to play a venue. Mm -hmm. um, are there any ones you want to bring up and do you think there are some solutions to these problems? I think it's tough to know what's, like, like where a solution can go in terms of like the current let's say marketplace where um quite often do i feel like this need to be a sort of more of a content creator than like an artist or a, a guitarist or a singer songwriter type of person it, it kind of feels like i'm constantly being pulled from one avenue to another not to say that you can't get good at these things because I, I feel like that's what all this needs to be is sort of like a learning experience and to say like oh i am multifaceted as well as all the, like all these guys so I guess I would say in terms of a solution, it depends on, I think, the current, uh, like how things look now with sh like streaming being the most prevalent way most people tend to uh, push things. I tend to then push back with the same thing and say like, okay, it's majority Spotify, let's then just lean into that or if people are really um, like leaning towards Bandcamp or something like that. It's something where we are constantly vigilant to see just like where are things going that we can also ride this wave so that it's not just something where it, it's, um, I hate like using this word because it just feels like a buzzword, but when you feel irrelevant and then it's just sort of like, I, I feel more so just compelled to create because I think that it's just something I, I can't not do. So despite whether or not like an algorithm will agree with what I or any of these guys do, it's just something where if people want to hang out and see like what it is that we do or, or, or like even what I just create personally, it's something where I'm like, okay, that's great because I'm not stopping anytime soon. That's a great way to end. Um, this has been so fun and I would love to keep talking, but yeah. I do think our time is up. So is there anything you want to share with our audience before we wrap up? Three new songs. Three new songs, right. Three yeah. new songs on streaming. First one, What We Follow. Second one, Ashes. And third one, Blurry Vision. Um, and we have accompanying live uh, and outside one-shot music videos for each of those uh, so far. We got more shows coming up. Hopefully we're going to be playing in like Toronto and Kitchener kind of area. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. We got stuff. 
March 2nd <laughs> at Silence. <laughs> that's that's so awesome and so exciting. Um, do you want to shout out your Instagram handles and stuff so people can support you? Sure. Uh, Frantic.lullabies. That's all we need to follow, really. That, that's what we follow. There we go. There we go. And I'm Tommy Drake if you want to see the drums. <laughs> the drum side of it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down, and I look forward to seeing what you guys come out with in the future. Thank you very Thanks much. For having Thank you. Us. Here is Frantic Lullabies with Blurry Vision.
You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com. 